change. It's time for change, but not just any change. Change for the sake of change isn't change at all. But real change is a change for America. If you're sick and tired of the same old politicians in Washington, vote Harold Flemlasky for change. However, it's time for someone to be clear on change for a change. Change is not always good. For example, if you elect Flemlasky for Congress this election, next election won't be time for change. But we'll cross that bridge once we vote for change in Washington. Harold Flemlasky, a candidate who supports change, but if elected, will change his position on change. That's the Flemlasky promise, and that will never change. Harold Flemlasky calls for change in Washington, but what kind of change is he talking about? Prostitution, drugs, rape, drive-by shootings, spousal abuse, and genocide are all currently illegal. Will Harold Flemlasky change that? We just don't know. Don't you owe it to the race that might be wiped off the planet by the Flemlasky genocide to use your vote for safety? Vote for safety. Say no to genocide. Vote Ernie Velveeta for Congress. Donald J. Trump. Harold Flemlasky. Donald J. Flemlasky. Harold J. Trump. Can you risk it? Hey, part of my friends of Ernie Velveeta who remind you to please record this commercial and play it to your friends because he just ran out of money. Are you better off than you were two years ago? Probably not with all this cancer. While Ernie Velveeta watched TV, raked leaves, and went to his cousin's wedding, cancer continued to spread. But there is hope. Harold Flemlasky has spent the last few weeks curing cancer, and his work is finally done. So your choice is simple. Vote for Ernie Malignant Velveeta and stay the course on the war on cancer. Or vote for Harold Benign Flemlasky and see if he has the cure. Harold Flemlasky. At least he claims he's cured cancer. Does Harold Flemlasky have amnesia? He doesn't even know. How would he know? If he had it, he would have forgotten it. If Harold Flemlasky can't remember his own diseases, how can we be sure he won't infect our children? I forgot. Which one? Stu does America. We're going to be watching that Her uh, Harold Flumlasky, Ernie Velveeta race very closely on election night. Make sure to check in with us at blazetv.com slash stew. The promo code is stew. You'll save t uh, 10 bucks on your subscription to Blaze TV. If you're watching on YouTube, like this video right now. We'd appreciate it. By the way, after election night coverage, which runs from 8 to midnight on election night here on Blaze TV, we're going to go into the wee hours of the morning on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash America. Go there, follow, subscribe, hit the bell. You'll know when we get started. John Ziegler is going to be here in a little bit to tell us how journalism died through the COVID uh, situation. Got the latest polls on just what the hell is happening 
in the Pennsylvania Senate race. But we start by doing Biden's last resort. Desperation. Desperation. That's the theme of the day in the Biden Democratic Party. They see they're in a lot of trouble. They see things look pretty dark in the future. And they see their chances of even having a a hope, a prayer, a voice in Congress for the next couple of years slipping away. Joe Biden knows something very specific about himself here. He's seeing his own personal legacy get destroyed. If this election goes poorly, he's in serious trouble to even be allowed by his own party to re Uh, run as president of the United States in 2024. If this is a total red wave, it's going to be a problem. So last night he comes out and goes back to the good old hits. Uh, Let's blame Republicans for everything. Let's tell you how they're destroying democracy. Let's tell you how dangerous they are. Blah, 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 blah. This is all they have. They can't run on the election. They can't run on the economy. They can't run on inflation. They can't run on Afghanistan. They can't run on Ukraine. They can't run on the border. They can't run on crime. They can't run on any of these things that actually matter to you. They have to come up with all these other things and just hope and pray that they will catch your attention for a little bit. Here is uh, Joe Biden. Now, you think about this. They're in a desperate state. They know they're in trouble. They have an attack at Nancy Pelosi's house. Normally, when the congressional leader from your party is, uh, you know, has an attack at their house, this would make you sad and angry. The Democrats, though, saw it as an opportunity, and that's why Biden was out there pitching the January 6th ties to Nancy Pelosi that no one else seems to be able to find, but he sees them in his mind, I think. After the assailant entered the home asking, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Those are the very same words used by the mob when they stormed the United States Capitol mm. on January the 6th. Oh, wow, powerful. When they broke windows. Windows. Kicked in the doors. Doors. Brutally attacked law enforcement. Roamed the corridors, hunting hunting for officials, and erected gallows to hang the former vice president, Mike Pence. Uh, Also, when Nancy Pelosi had lunch delivered, they said, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? So let's throw them in prison as well. Uh, This is, look, as we've covered, the person seems to be a completely crazy person. This does not seem to be a a political attack by any means, but that's what they're going to go with. Even though this guy was like a nudist protester who made hemp bracelets, we're still going to go ahead and and accuse him of being right wing, I guess. I guess that's we're just going to straight out go for it at this point. Um, He was also talking about how the left and the right can come together, because, as you know, Joe Biden has not had a divisive presidency whatsoever. We must, with an overwhelming voice, stand against political violence and voter intimidation, period. Stand up and speak against it. Stand up. We don't settle our differences in America with a riot, a mob, or a bullet, or a hammer. We settle them peaceably at the battle box. At the battle box. At the battle box. We settle them peacefully at the battle box. I'm sorry. Does anyone else remember 2020? Do you you remember this period where like every major city in America was on fire? But you guys don't say I want to make sure I understand. There's nobody settling anything with a mob or violence or break by breaking windows. That's I, I did. I imagine that. Was it a long dream? I'm sorry. I think people are going to remember that. I don't think you can memory hold that for them. Of course, this was a, a theme of the speech. He wants to make it seem like the right is the only one that is ever involved in political violence. Of course, we all understand that political violence is always wrong, no matter what side it, is, uh, it occurs on. No one's standing up for it, except the left when the left does it. 
They all ignore it and say everything's fine. They're just these are mostly peaceful protests. But this is a situation here where he's trying to give you this pitch that, okay, look, I'm the good guy here. Those guys over there, they're bad. You shouldn't vote for them. Don't worry about how much your bread costs. Don't worry about how much your milk costs. Don't worry about how much your gas costs. Instead, I'm going to try to scare you. I want you to be fearful of those R's after people's names. Watch. This institution, this intimidation, this violence against Democrats, Republicans, and nonpartisan officials just doing their jobs. Just doing their jobs. Are the consequence of lies told for power and profit, lies of conspiracy and malice, lies repeated over and over to generate a cycle of anger, hate, vitriol, and even violence. Oh, my goodness. In this moment, we have to confront those lies with the truth. No, you don't. The very future of our nation depends on it. My fellow Americans, we're facing a defining moment, an inflection point. We must, with one overwhelming, unified voice, speak as a country and say there's no place, no place for voter intimidation or political violence in America, whether it's directed at Democrats or Republicans. No place, period. No place ever. It would be a little more effective if when it occurred on the other side, you actually spoke up about it. Uh, nobody believes Joe Biden when he says this stuff. And, you know, here's the situation. You've got a country that you're never going to have everybody stand up and, say, and, and speak in unison uh, in one way or the other. It's a little suspicious, I have to admit, when the only way that people can please you with this one voice they may have is to vote for you. It's like, isn't it a little transparent that the only way we can heal our wounds and save our democracy is to vote for Democrats? Like, there's no other solution. We always have to stand up and just vote for you guys. Every single time there's a problem, that's always the solution. Vote for us. Give us more power. Let us spend more of your money. Let us do more things to you. That's always the solution. Do people, do people really fall for this crap anymore? I mean, I understand the desperation of Biden. This is his last resort. He's got nowhere else to go. So maybe in his mind, look, I just throw all this stuff against the wall. They gave away another $13 billion yesterday to, to, to people who's trying to, quote unquote, help with their energy bills. Well, how about how about helping with the energy bills by actually using our natural resources? You don't need to hand out money to do that. Just do your job. In fact, don't even do your job. Let others do their jobs. That's all we need. But there's a desperation here. They'll do anything to convince you to vote for them. Why? They're going to try to save a few districts. They're going to try to save a few states. These borderline states, they're hoping to buy you off. And then they'll go back to doing the same thing they've done over the past couple of years. Do not be fooled. This is not, there's no change here. This is what they will continue to do. Now, they also have been trying this. The, and this is an interesting tactic because they've been trying this pitch. Basically, you should, you should vote for how you feel about abortion. You should vote for how you feel about democracy. Uh, you know... These are not issues that hit people every day. You know, no one liked what happened on January 6th. 
there are about half the people in the country who do uh, care about abortion rights and don't think uh, they, you know, the, uh, they're, they're more on the pro-choice sort of uh, line of things. But of course, you know, you have to put that in perspective. You know, about half, of, and this is going to shock a lot of people, dudes can't get pregnant. So like to them, it's really sort of a, this side issue. It's not going to be important to a lot of guys. Uh, I'll also tell you that half the country doesn't think abortion is a human right. So you're wiping that out. Now you're down to what, 25% of the population. Now you knock out really a lot of these blue states. Why? Well, the blue state abortion laws aren't changing. They're going to stay exactly the same. So I guess now you just got to find activists in these red states to try to turn this over. I mean, you're talking to a very small group of people. Of course, a lot of people there don't even, even the women that are left in these red states, they may not want to get abortions. They may not be interested in such things. So you're talking to a very small minority. Everybody buys gas. Everybody has to pay for heating. Everybody ha- wants to eat bread, except for you. I know you gluten-free people out there. I don't want to insult you. But most people want to buy bread. Some people want to buy eggs. Some people want to buy gasoline and milk and all these things. And they see the price going up. They see their rent going up. They see the cost of their health care going up. They see all this happening. It hits them every single day. So running a campaign based on, quote unquote, democracy, which, of course, just means vote for Democrats, is not going to be nearly as effective in an election like this. But they're trying to make the pitch. Democracy is on the ballot. We must in this moment dig deep within ourselves and recognize that we can't take democracy for granted any longer. Mm, Right. With democracy on the ballot, nah. we have to remember these first principles. Oh, because you're so principled. Democracy means the rule of the people, mm-hmm. not the rule of monarchs or the moneyed, really? but the rule of the people. Mm. Autocracy is the opposite of democracy. It means the rule of one, one person, one interest, one ideology, one party. Ruling of one party. What an interesting concept. What would that be like? Well, you mean like if there was a Democratic president, a Democratic Senate and a Democratic House, something like that? Would that be ruling of one party? Your solution to this problem that you're illustrating is to make the one party rule in this country stronger. In fact, if you vote for Republicans, you're sending a message that you don't care about democracy. Huh. It's weird how all of this works, doesn't it? And I will say, if you really cared about these mega MAGA candidates out there, maybe you shouldn't have supported them in all the primaries. You know, they did this through the Republican Party like crazy. There'd be a moderate candidate going up against maybe a MAGA candidate, maybe someone who was complaining about the 2020 election. And the Democrats would pour money into the race supporting the person who opposed the 2020 election results. Why? They'd be easier to beat. If a, if, a, if a group of people actually believe democracy is on the line, they wouldn't be acting like this. They wouldn't be supporting the, the pro-MAGA candidates. They did this because they only care about their power. They don't care about you. Uh, they, uh, let's see, what else do we have here? Let's do democracy is under attack. You know, American democracy is under attack because... Spell, just the say the whole word of democracy. Of the United States refuses to accept the results of the 2020 election. Mm. If he refuses to accept the will of the people, he refuses to accept the fact that he lost. He has abused his power and put the loyalty to himself before loyalty to the Constitution. And he's made a big lie, an article of faith in the MAGA Republican Party. First of all, democracy. D-ma-cra. 
C. Four syllables. Not democracy. Not, not, not democracy. Not democ- Say the whole word. Just get through it. It's not that long. It's four syllables. Just do the whole thing. Secondly, this pitch has been going on for years and years and years and years. Does they really think they're winning anybody over with this stuff? I mean, they kept going with it. Now they came up because they started saying, oh, it's Republicans. And then it was bad Republicans and Trump Republicans. And, and then it was MAGA Republicans. And then it was mega MAGA Republicans. And now it's, I think it's extreme MAGA Republicans. Watch. Yet now, extreme MAGA Republicans aim to question not only the legitimacy of past elections, but elections being held now and into the future. Oh, my. You would never do that. The extreme MAGA element of the Republican Party, which is a minority of that party, as I said earlier, but is this driving force, is trying to succeed where they failed in 2020. Wait. To suppress the right of voters and subvert the electoral system itself. Wait, aren't you doing? That means denying your right to vote and deciding whether your vote even counts. Isn't this just what Instead you- of waiting until an election is over, they're starting well before it. They're starting now. One of the big complaints about Donald Trump was he said he thought the election might be stolen before the election even happened. That was a big thing they brought up in the January 6th commissions. They complained about it constantly. Are you noticing something here? This is what the Democrats are doing now. They're telling you if they lose, the election's going to be stolen. They're doing the exact same thing they got mad at Donald Trump for doing. They're saying that if the Republicans get power in 2024, that election will be stolen. You shouldn't have any uh, hope in our election process if you elect these these dastardly Republicans. It's the same exact thing they were complaining about Donald Trump doing. They're just doing it as well and acting like they have some sort of virtue while doing it. Of course, they're very certain. They, they don't know about any election in the future because they might lose those. But since they won the election in 2020, they can be sure that that one was absolutely perfect. The great irony about the 220 election the is that it's the what? most attacked election in our history. And yet, and yet, there's no election in our history that we can be more certain of its results. Every legal challenge that could have been brought was brought. I comment on that, but I don't know what the 220 election was. Um, I'm not a historian. I don't know what election happened in 220. So it's been a long time, but I'm glad. I mean, Joe Biden was probably alive then in the year 220. So who knows? Um, He he was warning about the election results. And there is some truth to what he's about to say here. Uh, I mean, I'll give you it's a grain, but I'll, I'll explain it here in a second. Here's Biden talking about election night. We know that more and more ballots are cast in early voting or by mail in America. We know that many states don't start counting those ballots until after the polls close on November 8th. That means in some cases we won't know the winner of the election for a few days, until a few days after the election. What? It takes time to count all legitimate ballots in a legal and orderly manner. It's always been important for citizens in democracy to be informed and engaged. Now it's important for citizens to be patient as well. That's how it's supposed to work. Mm, Yeah. Okay. Uh, Two things here. Number one, uh, in some ways, he's right. These election results are not going to be fully known. If these states are close, some of them are going to take a few days. It's true. A lot of this has to do with problems uh, with state law. 
you know, for example, Pennsylvania is one of these states. They have not fixed this since 2020. The, they get all these ballots that come in early. They can't tabulate them until polls close on election night. Does that make any sense? They, all, they don't have to tell anybody, but they should be tabulating the votes so they can be released right as polls close so we know what the hell is going on in these states. Instead, they won't even start counting them until the other day of votes are, are counted. Arizona last time was the reverse of that. They did the opposite. So what some states like Arizona are going to look like Trump has a, a you know, is way behind and then comes back in Pennsylvania. It's going to look like, uh, you know, the Republicans are, are, are way ahead. And then the Democrats are going to come back. It's a crappy system. The year's 2022. I, mean, I don't know why we can't fix this. We should be able to get results on Election Day. But I will tell you, that's not going to happen if these races are close. Uh, finally, uh, Biden wanted to make sure you know that there's lots of election, election deniers on the ballot. And don't you elect them. It's estimated that there are more than 300 election deniers on the ballot all across America mm. this year. This Okay. Thank you for we that. We can't ignore the impact this is having on our country. Yeah, right. It's damaging, it's corrosive, and it's destructive. And as soon as the Democrats lose one of these elections, they will start saying it was stolen and they will be on the opposite side of this and they will act like they never said any of these things. That is what is going to happen. It is not that far away. Get ready, everybody. It's going to be an exciting time. The other part about this election that's big is this is the first time a lot of people have a chance to do anything. Unless you're in Virginia or New Jersey, your chance to actually speak out about what happened during the COVID era and your governor and how they treated your freedom this is your first opportunity to do that. Uh, now, John Ziegler, who's been on the show before, has a new podcast out. I want to, I want to talk to him in a second because he is going back and tracing the COVID sort of madness, how it started, how it developed, who was responsible for it in not only government, but also the media. We're going to talk to him next. Have you started shopping for the holidays yet? No? Why not? Right now, you can shop early and skip the stress and snag some of the best deals of the season on something everyone will love. Premium audio products from Raycon. Their wireless earbuds, headphones, and speakers offer premium sound, useful features, and an almost custom, comfortable fit up to 54 hours of battery life as well. These are the best headphones out there because they're not like the ones that dangle below your ears. They're annoying. They fall out all the time. Not your Raycons. They're going to stay in your ear. I love my Raycons. They fit flush. You can put your head down on a pillow and still listen to your headphones. They're fantastic. You got to love that they start at half the price as well. Get 30% more off by shopping at Raycons Holiday Bundles. They've got that going on now. Raycons are sleek and stylish. Come in a, a bunch of different colors. They're really cool. You can find Raycon in stores now like Kohl's or Walmart. But you're always going to get the best deal when you visit my special link, buyraycon.com slash stew, B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O. N.com slash stew. Raycon website offers buy now, pay later options, all the good, the good stuff you need for the holidays. Go to buyraycon.com slash stew. Use the code earlybf to get 20% off side wide. Yes, earlybf. Or uh, save even bigger and get 30% off Raycon's exclusive holiday bundles. The code is earlybf at buyraycon.com slash stew. For 20% off your Raycon purchase, buyraycon.com slash stew. Happy to welcome John Ziegler back to the program. He's the co-host of the new podcast, The Death of Journalism. Be sure to subscribe and check this out wherever you get your podcast. John, thanks for coming on. Stu, always great to talk to you. Yeah, tell me about the podcast. Let's just start there. What made you want to do this? 
<laughs> this has been a lifetime desire uh, on my part uh, as someone who has fought every war possible in my career when it comes to media accountability. I, I believe my my first appearance with uh, Glenn Beck back in the day was when I did a documentary film called Media Malpractice, How Obama Got Elected, which featured a really the most extensive interview ever done with Sarah Palin after the 2008 election, which created a huge media firestorm in and of itself. And as a radio talk show host, as a television host, as a podcaster, as a documentary filmmaker, media accountability has always been my primary passion, largely because I have been in virtually every aspect of the news media, and I know personally just how incredibly and fundamentally broken it is. And while the issue of bias, I think, is pretty well documented, especially on the right, this podcast is way more than just about bias. I find bias almost to be boring now because most sensible people have accepted that the majority of the mainstream news media is very biased towards Democrats. This is much more about telling stories. It's about the making of the sausage and how the media and why the media comes up with false stories and misses the real story when events happen. And it's also very entertaining because you mentioned I'm the co-host. My co-host is a woman by the name of Liz Habib, with whom I, I actually co-anchored the news at an NBC affiliate 32 years ago in Steubenville, Ohio, Wheeling, West Virginia. And she became a major news anchor at many local affiliates and a sports anchor here in Los Angeles at the Fox affiliate and a professor at Syracuse University's Newhouse School of Broadcasting. So she's a very credible person. And we've done a, a one podcast previously called With the Benefit of Hindsight, a true crime podcast about the Penn State Paterno Sandusky story that you and I have discussed previously. We did that in 2021, released in 2021. And now here in late 2022, we're doing the death of journalism and we're really excited about it. And, and the death of journalism here kind of ties into the last couple of years of our lives, right? Going through the COVID situation. Now, of course, uh, I, I remember you back in the very, very early on. In fact, you were probably one of the first voices I heard anywhere talking about, hey, what are you doing closing down these schools? I remember yelling, you yelling at public officials about this very, very early on in the pandemic. Uh, and you really watched not only what was going on in the schools and, and all these government directives, but you watched the very sort of birth of what turned into the lockdowns. And you kind of go through that. Can you kind of give us a preview of how this all started? Yeah, in episodes two and three of The Death of Journalism, which I'm, I'm glad you're alluding to because I really wanted to start our podcast with that story because frankly, Stu, I don't think anybody's told it properly. And you know, I'm sure that the people could do it even better than me, but I'm telling a version of the COVID media narrative that I don't believe has ever been told publicly before. And it's a story that I think you in particular probably appreciate because a lot of it weirdly is a sports media story, which again is kind of uh, a great asset to have Liz because she's been a sports anchor for the last uh, 15 years in Los Angeles. And what people don't remember, it's amazing how many people don't remember uh, the timeline of those early days of March 2020 and how each event impacted the next event in a domino effect, a domino effect of media malpractice and panic and not science. 
It was politically driven, most of it. And I think I'm particularly credible on this issue of the politics of how it happened, because as you know, Stu, I'm not a Donald Trump fan at all. I, I was a never Trump conservative. In fact, I think I'm the only never Trump conservative who was on the correct side of COVID in the entire country, because all the never Trump conservatives supposedly were they were conservatives. They weren't really, weren't really conservatives. They were simply doing a, 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 a way of appealing to liberals uh, to keep their relevance. And we saw that that during COVID because they all folded immediately. I didn't fold because I only care about the truth and I only care about principle. And what was really clear to me very early on was that everything about this was being driven through a political prism. And that if Donald Trump was not running for re-election at that time, let's say Hillary Clinton, Stu, had been running for re-election. In episode three, I go through a kind of a fictitious exercise of let's examine what would have happened with the media coverage in 2020 if Hillary Clinton had won the 2016 election and was running for re-election in 2020. And it is my very strong belief that everything would have been different. Everything would have been upside down. The 180 degrees from what it was. And one of the things that we focus on is the most underrated development in that March of 2020, which weirdly to a non-sports fan, especially it's going to sound odd, I believe was the Ivy League canceling its college basketball tournament that was scheduled uh, in early March in Philadelphia, a place where I grew up. And that I believe triggered a firestorm of events that we go through in episode uh, two and three of the death of journalism that ends up destroying the essence of America. And we and we follow that line, I think, very carefully, and we document it very well, that what seems like a pretty irrelevant event really was the fire that lit everything and allowed our king here in California, Gavin Newsom, to really stake, drive the stake through the heart of America when he shut down California on March 19th of 2020. And at that point, effectively, the Donald Trump presidency was over because every other bl uh, blue state followed suit. The purple states, even many of the red states followed suit. And we were then in a quagmire from which we could not get out, largely because the media was completely invested in those actions. One of the many things that I've learned about the news media, Stu, which seems counterintuitive, is when the media becomes invested in a narrative, they cannot go back, especially if that narrative has caused great damage. You would think that if a narrative causes more damage, there would be a greater impetus to fix it. It's exactly the opposite, because if they try to fix it after all this damage, they have to take responsibility for that damage and not just admit that they were wrong, which, as you know, they never want to do. But the greater the damage, the less chance there is that they will ever fix a broken narrative. And that's why we still are where we are today, where we're still pretending that masks worked or that vaccines stopped transmission. That is still part of the media religion as of today, just a few days before midterm election, which is just astonishing to me. Can you imagine, Stu, <laughs> if, the, if the media did a credible job of educating voters about how pathetically poor mask mandates and vaccine mandates were at stopping mm -hmm. transmission? The Democrats, I believe, would be completely wiped out across the country other than here in California. But because we don't have that media, that's not what's going to happen. Mm. Well, you mentioned Gavin Newsom, and of course he wants to uh, seemingly run for president in 2024. And he's always about highlighting, and no one loves Gavin Newsom more than Gavin Newsom. But he was right. a key figure at the beginning of this, too. I mean, he, he really was one of the first voices talking about shutdowns. He, I, I remember you talking about a story uh, a while ago 
when he came out and predicted mass hysteria, basically, from these COVID numbers, millions and millions and millions of cases and only a few weeks, this never materialized. But, you know, Gavin Newsom never really had to make pay any penalty for this. And it seems like he's going to be fine on Tuesday. Yeah, he's going to win big in re-election, which is just astonishing to me. And I realize it's California, uh, which obviously used to be not that long ago in my youth, a very red state. Now it's so blue that Gavin Newsom was in a perfect position to do this. And it's, it cannot be repeated enough what you just said, what King Gavin Newsom did on March 19th of 2020. He declared a state of emergency, making himself a king, a state of emergency which still exists today, which he has said he's not going to end until the end of February next year, which is bizarre to me on so many different levels. So it'll be a three-year, assuming he keeps his word, a three-year state of emergency. And when he created that state of emergency, he wrote a letter to President Donald Trump in which he said he was basing that emergency on the projection, the projection and prediction that 25 million Californians would get COVID in the next eight weeks. By the way, I think it's important to point out his math was actually wrong. I mean, it was blatantly wrong, not just the projection. The math on which he based it was totally wrong. He claimed that it was 56% of the population of California. There's no way to get those numbers to, to fix with each other, 25 million and 56% of the population, no matter how many illegal aliens you think are living in, in California. So his math was way off. But I wrote for Mediate the next day, Stu. Here I am. I have no degree in any science that you know, the the will consider credible. I knew immediately this was BS. And I wrote for media a column, which I hope people will Google, where I said, this is ridiculous. There is no possible way these numbers will work. And, it, and here we are, Two and a half years later, we're still nowhere near any of that. We're, we're not even close to 25 million people getting COVID in two and a half years when he said it would happen in eight weeks. And by the way, had that happened in eight weeks, there would have been hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people dying based upon the death rate at the time, which also turned out to be totally false. And yet nobody in the news media has ever called him on this in any way, shape or form. He changed the state. He changed the country. And he's never had to be remotely accountable for the basis for what he did. And that, to me, is as great a proof as there could possibly be that the news media is totally and completely fundamentally broken. And that's why we created this podcast, The Death of Journalism. Let's spend about a minute and a half left. Let's spend this talking about accountability, because these elections are coming up on Tuesday. This is the first opportunity for most Americans to say to their governor, hey, you did a great job. You kept our freedom going. Thank you so much in this in this trying time. Or you destroyed our freedom and you took all of this power. And I'm going to make sure you hear from us. What is going to happen on Tuesday, you think? You know, Stu, as usual, you put your finger on um, a, a really important point. Um, my current view of this is that we're going to see a bit of a difference on the federal level as opposed to the state level. Mm. And on the state level, I think there's much better chance that we're going to see punishment for COVID tyranny. However, I do think there's a weird phenomenon, and I've already kind of alluded to it, where people who have been punished with COVID tyranny might be more hesitant to kick out their governor because they would have to admit that they themselves were duped and that they suffered for nothing. So mm -hmm. I think the free states are gonna reward DeSantis and Abbott and Kemp in Georgia, but the lockdown states are not gonna punish the governors that locked them down because they don't wanna have to admit that they did all that for nothing. It's a weird psychological phenomenon, but I think both sides may end up benefiting from this insanity. Yeah, it's really interesting. 
amazing. You, you've, you've hit on such an interesting point, and I think it's so true. You get, you're like, you, you get locked into your little room. You're like, I've, I'm in this room. I've made this decision. I'm here. I'm cheering this side on. So you can't leave that without admitting a mass problem that you yourself contributed to. And, and people, whether they're in government or just regular people, can't seem to bring themselves to get over that hurdle. Try convincing a masker that they masked for no reason for over two years and forced their kid to mask for over two years. Yeah. It's almost impossible to do because they don't want to have to admit that they made they endured all that suffering for nothing. They just don't want to do it. It's against their psychology. Mm, John Ziegler, the new podcast is out now. Make sure you check it out. The Death of Journalism is what it's called. Wherever you get your podcast, you can get it. Go subscribe now. John, thanks so much for coming back on the program. Anytime, Stu. We were just talking about Tuesday night, and of course the big election night is around the corner, just a few days away. The stakes are huge, you know, because every election cycle, the government gets bigger. So when everyone says, oh, this is the most important election ever, well, the government is larger every election cycle. So in a way, it kind of is worse every single time. And, you know, we're asking all these big questions. Will there be a red wave? Will the red wave, if it comes, be enough to take the Senate? What will we see? Join Glenn Beck, Jason Whitlock, Ali Beth Stuckey, Steve Dace, myself as well. All of your favorite Blaze TV li uh, uh, personalities live. I think Sarah Gonzalez is going to be there as well. Alex Stein is going to be there. Make sure to check it out. Most uh, cable news and corporate media networks are just going to kind of parrot the party line during their election coverage. You kind of know that. We're going to give it to you straight on election night. Don't miss it. Got a lot of great surprises for you and a lot of stuff you don't want to miss. It's at, uh, going to start at 7.45 p.m. Eastern on Blaze TV uh, or on the Blaze TV YouTube channel. Uh, it's going to go, I think, till midnight. After that, we'll go over to the Stu Does America YouTube channel and keep uh, the coverage going as late as we can stay awake. But if you want to join Blaze TV, you should. The code is RedWave. Go there now, blazetv.com slash stew. The code is RedWave. They've got 30 bucks off right now. Don't miss it. 30 bucks off. The code is RedWave at blazetv.com slash stew. So what the hell is going on in Pennsylvania? Fetterman versus Oz. We know that Fetterman had a terrible debate, but what, is the rep what are the repercussions? We needed to wait, kind of see what the polls were afterward. What would happen? Well, let me give you an addition of pick your poll. Yes, no matter what you want to be true, in the Fetterman-Oz race, you get to pick your poll. Let's start with the Pennsylvania race. In uh, This is a Fox News poll. This one just out uh, today. John Fetterman is now leading... Mehmet Oz, 47 to 43. Fetterman up by four points. Pick your poll. Do you like that result? Do you want that result? I, well, don't, don't, don't select just yet. Let me give you another, res uh, another result. By the way, these are all post-debate polls. Uh, USA Today, Suffolk University has a poll out. Dr. Oz versus John Fetterman. These, the uh, the uh, result here is 47 to 45. John Fetterman leads by two. Do you believe that poll? Do you want that poll to be the truth? Well, you can have that poll. You can believe whatever you want about this race because every single thing is true. For example, the Emerson College poll that just came out today as well, all post-debate. This one has Mehmet Oz up 48 to 46. So Oz is up by two in this particular race. Well, what if you say that's not right? I don't, I don't believe that poll. I want another poll to choose from. Well, we have another poll, this one from Remington Research Group, and they found that Mehmet Oz is up 47 to 44. 
Oz plus three. Which poll do you want? Now, I know for myself, I would like the Oz plus three because John Fetterman should not be in the Senate. But we have a Oz plus three, an Oz plus two, a Fetterman plus two, and a Fetterman plus four, all coming out at the same day, supposedly asking the same question. So what have we learned from this? Absolutely nothing. Almost one out of every five Americans never have a chance to live outside the womb. What a terrible statistic that is. You want a worse one? Over 63 million babies have been aborted just since Roe versus Wade was enacted. It's really a troubling, troubling time. Over a billion worldwide. Preborn is a ministry that helps, helps moms as they are looking at these options and considering abortion. They come in and get a free ultrasound, and when, when they get the ultrasound, about 80% of the time, after hearing the baby's heartbeat, they decide to change their mind. They decide to not go ahead with the abortion. Uh, and when that happens, preborn does not sit back and say, oh, good job, now get out. No. They say, uh, hey, here's some free maternity clothes. Here's some baby uh, clothes. Here's some diapers, car seats, uh, counseling, and much, much more free of charge. Uh, go to preborn.com slash uh, preborn.com slash stew preborn.com slash stew or you can dial pound 250 and use the keyword baby pound 250 use the keyword baby preborn needs your help if we're going to save 50,000 babies this year they need you to be a part of that it's preborn.com slash stew or pound 250 and use the keyword baby This is going to be a depressing segment because I have to tell you that your money is going to an absolutely terrible cause. I hate to do this to you, but it is true, and we're going to have to tell you about it today. First of all, the White House tweeted something. They said, seniors are getting the biggest increase in their Social Security checks in 10 years through President Biden's leadership. Now... We, you know this to be true. You knew they were going to do this because why? Well, we were talking about it on day one. On day one, when this news of the increase came out, because of how high inflation was, Social Security had a very high increase because of how high inflation was. And we said right off the bat, the Democrats will absolutely brag about this as if it's a good policy of theirs. They attempted it online. Now, this, of course, has nothing to do with them. It's actually it is a result of their policies, but only their bad ones. Inflation's really high. So the increase is high. Uh, now, this was pointed out on Twitter. Readers added context. They thought people might want to know. Seniors will receive a large Social Security benefit increase due to the annual cost of living adjustment, which is based on the inflation rate. President Nixon in 1972 signed that into law. So Corinne Jean-Pierre had to try to figure out how the hell to get out of this after they had to delete the tweet here's what she said or read there was a, a contextual note i'm not sure what the proper terminology is for the uh, platform that was added to that was it removed because of the addition of the note or was it removed because of the concern about the uh, veracity of the message so it was uh, look Reading. the tweet was not complete usually when we put out a tweet uh, we posted with context and it did not have that context uh, so in the past we've pointed out Reading. that for the first time in our in over a decade seniors uh, medicare premiums will will decrease even as their social uh, security checks increase that's a little bit of context that was not included. This Reading. means that seniors will have a chance to get ahead of inflation Reading. due to the rare combination of rising benefits Reading. and falling premiums. And, and let's not forget, as, as you've been hearing Reading. me say the for the justice. past few minutes about MAGA Republicans in Congress and their continued threat uh, to, to threaten Social Security and Medicare. 
She just sat there and read. I, again, I, don't, I ask you this question. Why don't we just give this job to Siri? Siri can also read text. If you have an issue where you can't, if you have a vision issue, you can swipe with your phone and it will actually read the text to you. Just do that. Print it out and have Siri read it. It'll be just as convincing. Uh, but that was the bad news. The bad news is you're paying for that. You're paying for Corinne Jean-Pierre to read you lies. It's like a storybook, except it's much, much less true than a fairy tale. All right, the best election coverage you're ever going to find is on Blaze TV. Go to blazetv.com. If you use the promo code REDWAVE, you're going to get 30 bucks off. That's a big discount. Normally, it's not 30 bucks off, so make sure you check that out. If you've been thinking about subscribing to Blaze TV, supporting the movement, it's a great time to do it. You get great election coverage with all your favorites from the Blaze. And then after uh, midnight, when the coverage ends, we're going to go over to youtube.com slash America and keep the party rolling, hopefully a positive party, uh, all night long.